All right, I think everything's plugged in. I'm going to start rolling. And we're rolling. All right, good morning, evening, or afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the One Up Podcast. Today we got a very special guest, a German, Mexican, something or another. Say your name for us because I can't pronounce it. Oh my God. Uh, my name is Jorgwitter Steinslaus. Yes, that, that. And of course, <laughs> with me always is uh, George Martinez. And sitting in for Manuel today is actually Adrian Flores, our hey, camera y'all. guy. But, uh, you know, <laughs> we wanted to see uh, how he sounds on his awesome gaming headset as you see he's got on. Video yep. podcast, two guys, number two, let's go. Appreciate y'all having me on. Hey, fill in. Always, always. <laughs> so, Jorg, how's, how was the drive back? Yeah, um, for those who don't know, he just uh, came from Washington recently in that beautiful storm storm, snowstorm we just had. Yeah, so, I mean, the ride had a few instances of being god-awful. I mean, for the most part, it was really uh, nice, and from what I know is that the juxtaposition between, um, I guess, every other state but Texas was pretty nice and dry, uh, with exception of my little instance in Oregon. Uh, when I was crossing over to Oregon um, to this mountain called La Grande, which is also the name of the town area, um, the, the, we had an inclement storm coming in and from, from that, they, the, the, the roads began to ice over specifically whenever we were climbing up this mountain Damn. and the sun was beginning to set when I was getting there. And, um, uh, as soon as I reached the summit, um, traffic began to come to a stop and this was an area where, um, they required chains and it was ostentatiously uh, iced over. Fuck. And uh, <laughs> did you get snowed um, in, bro? Uh, it was starting to snow in and traffic came to a complete stop. And I was stuck there for about a good three hours. The snow and the Damn. ice was picking up. And yeah. um, I was just so worried that I didn't have enough fuel to, to get past this through the night because I was pretty certain I was going to be stuck there the whole entire night. And I had to endure this like ice storm and whatnot. Um, but granted, those three hours were up and the traffic began to move. And I mean, the other concern I had was, okay, well, now we're moving. But now I have this legitimate concern of the fact that I'm driving this hulking thing. And every time I stop, I kind of slide anyways. And if I drive the wrong way or too quickly... I would fall just slide off, the off and fall off the mountain. <laughs> and, oh, uh, you know, there, there goes Jorgy Porgy uh, for good. Oh, no. Um, but <laughs> as we started moving, um, I think it was the city or the town or the state or whoever it was, um, had covered the entire fucking mountain in traversable uh, sediment. So it so like was sand, actually... right? Or? Uh, it, I, I think it was more like some weird level of gravel. It wasn't exactly oh. sand because it was bumpy as hell. Um, but they covered the whole entire thing with that and it allowed me to drive with a peace of mind knowing that I wasn't <laughs> going to fall off, but it was bumpy as hell. Um, but the moment I landed into town and saw, uh, a, a sliver of civilization, I, I checked in, um, to a hotel there. And I mean, from there, then that's when I, I started driving again the next day. Um, and it wasn't up until like I got to Texas and Amarillo specifically, um, where again, I encountered some major shit because, um, um, some guy we were driving at night cut in front of me whenever I was thinking, I'm just going to stop and burn on instead of Amarillo and threw a bunch of dirt and ice onto my windshield and, uh, it made it completely impossible to see. So I was like, okay, well I'll just clean it off. And the windshield wipers did their thing, and when they did their thing, it just smeared it all over, and I could even see even less. And then I was like, oh, okay, this isn't good. So then I, I cranked out the windshield wiper fluid, and it just iced over that, and it wouldn't clean anything over. And for a good minute, I was struggling to find a spot uh, that I could see where I could just park myself and clean it off. And, I mean, I found a little gas station I, 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 I took a – I veered off the road for it. And um, – <laughs> 
cleaned it off, and I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm not heading to Vernon. I'm I'm taking into Amarillo. But you know, one good thing about <laughs> Texas though is like there's no mountains to fall off of. At least I don't think so in Amarillo, right? No, but nah. there are like crazy <laughs> drivers, and that's one thing that I did want to note is that the drivers were a lot crazier in Texas once you got here. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> so you, you were driving like a big ass box truck, right? Is that what it was? Yeah, I, w- I was driving a, a 14 foot box truck, which is a Sterling 360, which I think. Mazda um, manufacturers. Hey, but once he got here, like once he got back home, did you have any power outages, or did you get no? Here past um, after it? Uh, there was no power outages. There's, there was no water issues when I when nice. I got here. We got we had no power for like two days, and then we had like no water for a day. <laughs> Fuck, that sounds horrible. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I was constantly told by a bunch of people to just. Uh, shower wherever I was at. I was like, okay. Just, I mean, just I, go out in the snow. <laughs> just play in the snow for a bit. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of do that already. But like, they were like, oh yeah, we, we, the water pipes are busting left and right, and I'm like, oh, that's great. So I'm literally coming into hell from being like up in North Spokane, where apparently, or up the north in Spokane, where the weather was on average between 27 and 35, and then in Texas, apparently it was like. 16 and below. I was like, what the <laughs> hell is going on over here? Yeah, for a while, a couple of days, we were actually colder than uh, than Alaska, than Anchorage, which is yeah, kind of hilarious. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. But at least you made it, man. Like, I know two of my other friends uh, did a similar drive up from Washington down to... Uh, <laughs> down to Texas and uh, both of their cars ended up dying midway through one of them just died it was an old car the other one ended up like slaughtering a deer of course was it recently or like... it was a couple of years ago oh. but, but still like the only other two people I know that made the drive most people I know just fly so what were you working on in Washington <laughs> yeah so I was working on a project with uh, Neil McDonough um, he's that famous uh, piercing blue eyes dude that was on a couple movies here and there I know the most uh the famous project of his is, uh, I think, Walk Tall with uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, like yeah. the bad guy. Um, oh. And, I mean, I, I, I constantly recall him from uh, uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop, too. Ah. <laughs> he was also a bad guy. He's constantly always a bad guy here and there. Um, but, no, we, we had a project over there called Boone, uh, which was a union gig. Um, so like practically everybody there had to be local Washington in order to work on the project. I was there as just as a rental house, so I wasn't really doing very much except for a couple days whenever we had days off and we were on the download and we were like, all right, well, let's shoot this out of Washington and Idaho because well, Idaho was like 20 minutes away and I would do like the pickup shots and, um, you know, shoot, uh, still be a part of the project and shoot something. Um, there while I was still there because like it, it was like uh, you know we brought this dude why, why not just use him um, and like try to ignore as much as possible on the union rules um, because like it, w- it was kind of like a help knowing how much the process was that they had to like follow this stringent amount of oh, rules God. to the point where it set back the project quite a bit yeah man I remember um I was, uh, when I was interning uh, at this place called the Country Network, uh, the main guy was telling me, basically, uh, he was in a union gig when he was younger, and there was a light that was about to fall and hit this lady on the head. He went over, grabbed the light, put it down, got yelled at by people in electric, they're like, don't touch my light, that's my light. Who was going to fall on her? He's like, yeah, that's fine, it's not your light, let her fall on her. That's some bullshit. But for the people who don't know who you are, what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> Um, I, I, I first want to start off by saying fuck union um, <laughs> those, those, those people are absolute weird ass fucking robots and machines that I can't for the life of me comprehend um, so I mean I myself uh, putting that aside now um, <laughs> I myself am a cinematographer and steady cam op but like at this point I've kind of evolved into just uh, taking on whatever role a project needs and just offering like a rental house package um, because I, I mean, I mainly own just about quite a bit of things that a feature film will require in order to shoot, um, without obviously throwing on that crazy price tag, um, from a rental house. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm constantly booked on small gigs here and there where it's like little specs and little skits and whatnot. Um, mainly out of the sheer fact of collecting like a few hundred bucks or (laughs) or a thousand or so. Um, But, you know, at the same token, it's like instead of them spending like between five to ten thousand dollars renting the same amount of gear, I could just show up and be like, here, take this shit and just 
give me your entire budget. <laughs> do, you have, do you have that stuff like insured? Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I feel like that's like a granted thing when you have that much money thrown onto the table that yeah. you need to at least be insured because it's like... Yeah, it was about it, the same, man. Especially for that Washington trip. Like, yeah, if you fall off the mountain, you need some money oh, no, for, your, for, sure. for your truck. Right. Um, and I mean, granted, on those level of projects, there's insurance on top of insurance. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, I'd, I'd like to make sure that if my camera were to go bust on any shoot, um, that I can at least replace it with something comparable. Because, I mean, like, yeah. dropping something like that, I'm just like, fuck. I'm out <laughs> of a good 40, maybe 50 grand out of this thing now. And, Holy shit. Um, you know, it's it's not very easy to pick up that kind of tab and just, yeah. you know, call quits on it. Absolutely, man. How how did you get started? Like, what was the first couple projects you started? Um... Fuck it, man. That was a long-ass time ago. Um, I mean, we, we got started, um, I mean, years ago at this point, and it was between you and us. Okay, so the one we did, uh, your little zombie short, that was the first thing you ever worked on? Uh, to oh, a God. degree. I mean, <laughs> it was definitely the first thing I did a collaboration with other people, which was with us. Um, and that was the first brush of me just going like, well, I need to get all these things to make sure we can actually shoot a thing. And... Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, that was like the first, I guess, official thing that I did that wasn't like something involved in school um, with so just like a but little But you camera. did do stuff in school? Was it like back in high school or? Yeah, I mean, it was, I started since middle school, but it was always like very little small films that I just don't want to show to the world because <laughs> of how like um, benign they are. And um I mean, granted, I kind of feel the same way about that zombie project because I was like, ah, I feel like we needed more fucking money and time to shoot like all these yeah. things. But time, um, absolutely. Time or money. Time if you have money. one of those things, it, it helps the project a lot. Um, but yeah, no, that that was that was my upbringing, uh, starting off by <laughs> by by, by uh, on that little film, and then um, you know it, it just kind of moved up from there, where I was just constantly going like, hey. Uh, I can help do this thing and music. Um, yeah, that music is pretty loud. Ah, well. Hey, <laughs> did they hear us? Cause it just stopped. <laughs> oh, they gotcha. probably heard us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was just a bunch of like, uh, I'll do this for free, and then nope. eventually I'd be like, okay, this is how much you need to pay me in order to do this exact same thing. But so, I mean, you said uh, about your charging stuff. It sounds like you charge a lot less than other rental houses. Why is that, man? Um, why do you Why do you go for less? I, I mean, it's it's easy to go for less, um, mainly out of the sheer fact that you know you you kind of have a competitive edge um, from from charging a lot less and just offering a lot more than most rental houses. I mean, granted, I feel like I have stuff in my package that most rental houses don't even offer. Um, you know, one of the first things that uh, kind of comes into mind is just Steadicam. There's not very many Steadicam operators, and Steadicam operators that are available typically will charge something that's comparable to my whole entire rental package, you know? Um, and I don't think I'm at the stage yet, though some people would like to argue, um, to be charging those kinds of prizes and be like, yeah, I'm like the most fucking <laughs> out there steady cam up, fucking hire me or, you know, uh, suffer. Um, I feel like I'm still on a weird kind of level of upbringing and not exactly at a point where I can charge firm prices and, you know, uh, so you kind of have a sliding scale on your price depending on the project or yes i big um because there's some projects where like my day rate would be somewhere between two thousand to three and then there's other projects where i probably would be like somewhere between 200 to five um it just depends on what the project is how close i am to those people um, or sometimes i don't even charge at all you know it just depends again what the end product will offer to me and who I'm working with, because like, if, if I'm working with somebody I don't really know, and I don't really see myself working with, at this point, I typically just charge people. But if it's like a, a buddy of mine who I've been knowing for like four or five years, I'm like, okay, well, you know, we, we've been long enough, you got this project, I'll help you out. And, um, you know, we'll make this thing happen. But after that, you owe me. <laughs> uh, you worked a lot on, um, what was it called? There was a TV series, right? Um, wasn't it? Uh, what's it called? Cre some 
Crip TV? Yes, that. Yeah, the I mean, th- that was stuff that I worked with uh, Ramsey, who you met. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Ramsey was one of those people that just happened to be involved in that arena. And I was just like, hey, plug me in because I really want to do this stuff. And um, since so then, for the people who don't know, what is Crip TV? Um, so Crip TV is like this little um, horror um, video kind of like, I guess, YouTube channel or channel. Um, that you can watch these little skits that all kinds of filmmakers from all walks of life all over the world make and, you know, plug in into this uh, um, gigantic machine uh, for, for, you know, viewership. Um, And, I mean, they're making, I feel like they're making an absolute killing paying these filmmakers, like, next to nothing (laughs) and then, like, you know, selling them off and showing these videos and whatnot and then they'll have, like, millions of Is it one of those deals where it's, like, give us your video and you get more exposure from it it's like the trade this kind of exposure for your content sort of i mean like um i i know some of the projects and i'm, I'm not sure how much liberty i have to say here but <laughs> since i have no legal contract with them some of the projects they'll like give out like five thousand or seven thousand dollars for the project and then uh, they'll be like here play with it but i mean truly let's be honest <laughs> most people can't really make very much with five or seven thousand dollars like I, I feel like that's like your whole entire special effects budget in general um but um you know they'll, they'll hand that out and quite frankly i think that um they on their end once they actually release these videos onto youtube are probably making a bigger killing off of these things um especially whenever they uh sell ancillary products that you know, cater to these characters and to these um, videos and like have these different myriad of merchandises and are selling to, um, I guess, my kind of people who love physical media. Um, they, they really know their niche and it's kind of easy for them to just like fucking take cakewalks with it. Man, are you are you a a practical effects kind of guy or a CGI kind of guy? I'm very much practical effects. Yeah. Um, I'm... I, I like to say I'm kind of well versed in special effects to a degree. Yeah. Um, mainly because my closest friends are all special effects artists, and I myself have come from a haunted house background and dabbled a little bit here and there with like different materials like foam latex, rubber latex, um, silicone, and um, sculpting and whatnot, and painting yeah. as well. That's badass. Yeah. Um, I, I I I don't know too much about you. The only things that. Uh, George had sent me were like pictures of you like with a camera so I I put like <laughs> I put like the dots together like oh this guy's a cinematographer yeah, but yeah. also this guy likes horror as well you know and I thought that was pretty badass and most of the time from what I know horror films are more into the practical effects and stuff like that so I was just I was just wondering uh, like how, how much into that are you in or how many films have you done a lot of you know uh practical effects with um i honestly feel like almost every film i've worked on has had practical effects uh, at least feature films wise um one of many reasons is it's just um that there's not enough money for cg and if they do have money for cg it's gonna look like shit because there's not (laughs) that much money for cg (laughs) um so um you know uh, and and plus because i i always feel like you know uh, my buddies can knock it out of the park. I'm like, here, here's these artists who can do this thing. So, yeah. you know, you just pay them, which will be a lot smaller in price tag versus trying to worry about something in CG in post. And it would look much more realistic yeah. um, for them to just hop on board and do their thing. Um, and I mean, I myself am a hardcore purist to, to practical effects because like, you know, at the end of the day, like you'll you'll see this thing, and sometimes when you look at it, even in person, it looks like absolutely insane how <laughs> realistic it looks. Yeah. And um, you know, you don't you don't have to worry about keying and feathering and post and whatnot and trying to create something that wasn't there to begin with. Um, and you know, <laughs> that, that that's ultimately another thing with um, the whole uh, practicality of it is that you know, talent has something to work with to visually look at. Yeah. Um, so if like someone is getting like their hand or their um, or their uh, arm or uh, their face or something blown up, they can see that and they can have other people react to that 
and it can be a lot more genuine than if they were like just pretending to be screaming at something that they don't really see. So you chop their actual hands off, right? Yeah. Um, there was a there was a movie that I had shot um, where they had blown somebody's hand off and mm-hmm. foot. Um, it, it's called Redstone, which is also also has Neil McDonough, um, <laughs> and uh, that's initially where we met him. Um, there, there was a shotgun blast to the foot, and like the oh, whole thing gosh. just kind of blows up, and it was yeah. it was pretty freaking gnarly. <laughs> so I know you guys have a somewhat of a connection. You both worked with the uh, same guy, Corey Ari, right? Is that his name? Uh, Corey? Corey Ari, yeah. yeah. So um, he's he's a pretty close buddy of mine. Who I just shot his first uh, feature script uh, called uh, Vice Mares. Yeah, I keep seeing that on Facebook, man. I keep seeing posts about it, man. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's a. It's it's a it's a it's a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And knowing his um, his style, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's definitely one of those more out there dark comedies, which I feel like is a very niche market. Um, which I I feel like there's some level of horror fans that would appreciate it, but I feel like I it's, think I would like that kind of garbage. Yeah, um, I think I enjoy I enjoy that. Kind I feel of garbage. like if anything, it'd be like something we would enjoy watching. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I guess the more purist fans of like the fans of the '80s and whatnot, I guess closer to like akin to me, um, are are not are not very big fans of it, but appreciate that it's a thing that was made. Um, because it does hearken a lot to like some of those stylistic ventures that um, I feel like uh, is a little bit more prominent in newer films like uh, the works of like Adam Green that are just kind of or even like um, uh, Mandy that are just a little bit more out there and a lot more Mandy. esoteric um, that, that's kind of like what Weissmeyer's is it's just kind of like a, a weird amalgamation between the two where it has like this stylistic color palette at times because it's like very drug fueled um, and um, it concurrently, it also has these weird little practical puppets and effects and things that happen in the movie. That um... wow, where are you fitting for a for a uh, for a horror movie here? Other faces <laughs> out here right now. Yeah, somebody's getting uh, murdered back there. What right, is he working on? Okay. Well, that was a, that was a fun little chainsaw distraction. Uh, you know, I mean, good time, you know, with the horror movies and stuff. But uh, yeah, I think we left off talking about Vice Mares, right? And you were going to say something about promotion of that movie. Yeah, so I mean, um, it 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 bewilders me how much energy these guys have to uh, <laughs> promote the fuck out of it. And I mean, I appreciate that they do because, like, um, I I think there's a huge testament between I think a couple of us here in this room where it's just like so much work to just share stuff and i for the life of me just can't do it like i i i always find that even like pictures for things um like on film sets and whatnot i always have to go off of like other people's pictures because i never even bothered <laughs> taking any and... you know what once i got into something where i had to like really promote and push like whenever we i did the road reel with ryan uh-huh i was trying to share it and post it like every day but try and keep up with it. it. It was like a daily thing. I had to post in the morning, post in the evening, and then try and keep track of it. And then making up new material, just keep posting. So it was a lot of work. I was like, these people who like do that for a living are like, are really doing a lot. Like all these Instagram influencers. Oh, I know <laughs> it. Like, um, it's it, it's 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 a daily job and. Um, I quite frankly like to do nothing in my spare time. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, I, I like to do a lot of things in my spare time, but promoting stuff isn't really my forte. So, uh, speaking of road reel, have you done any road reel stuff in the past? I have. Um, nice. I shot one also with Ryan. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, man, I have to also say, fucking Ryan has like this sheer amount of energy to just push project after project that I just don't understand where he finds it. <laughs> um, but I shot one with Ryan called uh, Candy, uh, C-N-D-Y. Um, I don't know if it won anything, um, but I mean, it was entered into the last one. Um, and I mean, it, I think that was one of the prettier projects that I've shot, um, mainly because I had like a moment to actually realize um, that I had like shot lists and somewhat of previs to work off of and go like, okay, well I can fine tune this to something that looks nice. Fucking manual. Because <laughs> <laughs> we did a project with Daniel too. And that's the thing we get on him on is like having the shot list and actually having it a little bit more thought out than just having the script and 
just all right we're shooting here 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 but at the moment we're about to start oh my god yeah, <laughs> yeah no i i think the the worst nightmare that i usually get into which is the most common nightmare is that i work with people who are figuring things out as they go yeah and um I, I don't mean, like that as much. I mean, I used to be like that a long time ago, but uh, once I discovered the beauty of, you know, shot lists and, uh, you know, um, uh, whatchamacallum, uh, picture with the stuff. Storyboards. Storyboards that, yeah. that <laughs> my brain would want to work there. Storyboards and stuff, you know, I'm like, yeah, I can't go back. Oh, no, absolutely. And yeah. I think the people who appreciate them the most are the people who are in the post-production workflow. Um, and, I mean, quite <laughs> frankly, most directors around the area typically aren't really that involved into the post-production workflow or if they are they're really bad at it so um <laughs> just as long as something just as long as the footage has someone in 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 like the footage itself it's good enough and like they'll like completely be oblivious to like breaking the 180 nah. they'll be oblivious to like these little small minute things that could be fixed in production or they would just miss entire fucking like shot sequences that could have yeah. cut the thing together well or even scenes entirely because they just kind of like skimp over it every time i've had like a project at least the last few i always try to think think it through first and i'll like even storyboard using the script so there's like pictures or like thumbnails next to the script as we're shooting so i'll keep track of it that way and then um I, i'll stick to it and then i also make stuff up but i try and keep everything in, in my mind as far as that scene to try not to miss anything. Especially for the last one with, that, with Ryan on Dark Horse, we talked about it last time. A lot of it I had in my head, but I was also like taking their inputs. But since I was the one doing everything in post-production too, I was trying to keep it in mind how I was gonna edit and cut everything together. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a powerful, strong way to go about it. And I mean, I would always encourage most Sometimes people. Sometimes I'm surprised at the people that don't do that. I'm like, oh, I know it. Like, um, they're like, oh, yeah, we'll just shoot something and it'll come together. Um, and <laughs> I think. Oh, were, you, were you there? Jesus had like some friend that was shooting in the apartment and the guy was telling us where he went the shot. And he just kind of had us take a wide that's like rotating around the room. And then he had us do it over and over. And I think Jesus was the cinematographer on that. And the guy was like, okay, that's it. And then just moved on to the next thing. Oh. I don't remember who it was, but that's where I met Alicia, Alicia Underwood. Oh, okay. So I think you were running audio for it that time. Was I? Oh, yeah. I, I think I was. Um, was that with uh, Frederick Wright? Oh, yeah, it was yeah. I heard about that guy. I don't I haven't worked with him <laughs> but, yet. But I don't have the pleasure. He was so mad. Like afterwards, Jesus was telling me that the guy was like really mad because he he's like you messed up my video or something like that. They were like arguing about the edit, and I was like, "This is how you wanted these shots." So I'm yeah. just giving you what you told it's me. It's not magic. Yeah. Uh, just one quick thing. One more thing about road drill. Uh, limitations the time limitations how did you deal with those because we we struggle in both our uh, movies with that yeah i mean time limitations were i guess the biggest factor yeah um, it's, like, it's like three minutes has to be the movie has to be three minutes oh yeah. for sure and yeah. that that was that was a gigantic issue with like um the the deal with candy and mm -hmm. i mean i i had my own scripts that i wanted to shoot too but i just didn't have the uh, um the time to do them anymore i mean mm -hmm. i had I had the locations and the people ready to be on standby, but I myself was just like, oh, well, fuck. I can't, I can't prep all these things, like, yeah. left and right. And, like, uh, I mean, going back to guess of the main point is we shot Candy, but it, it came out to be, like, a 10-minute video. And not so – how would you use for Road Reel? Because Road Reel is, like, three. Um, it is three minutes. So they <laughs> cut it down to be, like, this weird trailer thing. Oh. Um, which, you know, it shows it kind of, like, a little bit more action-packed, but I felt like at the end of the day, because of how much they had to cut it down to, it didn't get the point across of what it was supposed to be yeah we had an issue with that with our last year's movie yeah yeah and i feel like that's constantly the issue with a lot of people but i mean i guess the uh, biggest predicament with a lot of filmmakers in general is that they tend to not be able to time mentally with a script how three minutes will turn out and i just think that's just out of the sheer fact that most people don't consistently practice shooting things and seeing how it would come out you know in post in terms of time yeah. because like um well, one 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 gigantic thing is that people think that just because you have like three pages that it's gonna come out to be three minutes. It's no. like no, it could be three, <laughs> it could be ten minutes of action each page. Yeah. 
or it could be like 30 seconds of dialogue each page like it it, it it could be a gigantic discrepancy between the bunch it's just a matter of kind of again shot listing or storyboarding and doing a previs um where you would kind of like even imagine like the beats and everything um and how it would it cut out and post even before you shoot the damn thing um but i feel like it's more of an art um an esoteric art to find a director who knows that <laughs> um because like quite frankly i feel like every everybody that i've uh that I've that I find myself working with typically is just like, well, let's see how it turns out in post. I'm like, okay, well, that's <laughs> oh, great. No. You know, that's that's always that's always a good feeling to have. When, yeah, whenever and then when I'm the... stuck editing, I'm like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whenever we did the road reel one for the boxing short, on that one, it's only a page and a half, but I knew that I was gonna do like a montage in it, so I was like, that's gonna take a lot of time. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's that's the important thing is you have to figure out what you want to shoot first. And then once you get into shooting, you have a better idea. Or actually, not, you, what you once you actually plan out what you're going on and shoot, it it tends to figure out for yourself how much each thing is going to take, um, especially when you know how you're going to end up cutting it. Like I think one of the most important components is even knowing what your musical choices are, are going to be for the shots. That way, you can have literal executions of how long this thing is going to be, anyways. That makes um, sense. I like that a lot. Yeah, you know, shooting um, to music is always fun. Or shooting your soundtrack or foley work, but I mean, again, this is just something that um, not very many people have the, I guess, the wherewithal, mental wherewithal, to figure out how they want to shoot something like that, you know. And you know, I'm pretty sure you do, but um, uh, I think the the grand majority of people just don't. They're like, oh, let's just shoot something. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> just pay me then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's. That's the motto. As long as you're paying me, I'll shoot whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's ultimately what it comes down to. I, I don't shy away from any project as long as I get paid. Um, or, again, if it's like a buddy of mine and maybe they not be they might not be the um, sharpest tool in the shed, I'll still do it. Because it's like, uh, you, you kind of helped me with my upbringing. So, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll kind of help you scratch your back for a moment. But next time you pay me. So speaking of friends and friends of the podcast, we had two people on who were part of the movie Six on Amazon, and uh, you were part of that too, right? Yes, I was the cinematographer for that one. Nice. So how was your experience working on that? Um, so that one was intriguing for me, um, mainly out of the sheer fact that um, the budget for it was so minuscule, and there was very little for us to rent to begin with. Um, and I know like a word is thrown about how the cost of it was probably like $2,000. I think that's, uh, <laughs> that's cheap for a feature. Uh, that's insanely cheap. for a That's feature. insanely cheap for a feature, but that's straying away a lot from the truth. Like I spent a lot more money myself of course. trying to help uh, make that project happen. Mm. But, um, and that would probably inflate it to a good eight to $10,000. Um, but you know, no. I'm not the director. I'm not the one who's promoting it. So <laughs> I don't have a component to say, Hey, you're wrong. That's not it. Um, but I mean, no hard feelings on any of that. Uh, it's just a thing that, you know, was shot and, you know, a director does have a right to say what they want to say to try to sell this thing. Um, but I mean, in, in my experience for that one, there was, um, I mean, there was a lot of stylistic choices that I, I find very endearing for how they came out. But uh, I, one of the biggest issues that we were dealing with was uh, time constraints. We had three days to shoot this entire feature film. Wow. And yeah, and, uh, and uh, we didn't exactly have the budget for the lighting that it required, especially given the fact that we shot it on a global motion mount, which stops us out at 1.2 stops of light. And, um, you know, shooting it at an ISO below 1000 to make sure that it wasn't as grainy as hell. And it still came out grainy as hell because, again, we were losing a shit ton of light. It was the old Red Epic Dragon instead of the current camera that I have now, Red Weapon Dragon, where it could easily push ISO 2500 and still look pretty clean. But it's, you know, it's just those constraints that we couldn't really hurdle over because, it, you know, there was just not enough lights. There wasn't enough of a budget to to allow us to really figure thing, these things out. And, you know, we just kind of wanted to shotgun this thing out. And, you know, I think I think the product itself looks like a shotgun this thing out. 
It does, but it's still pretty decent. I mean, for me, I didn't really notice lighting issues as much, mostly because uh, I have my monitor turned up to almost full brightness when I watch my stuff. So, you know, I had it. So, you know, I didn't really notice that. The only time I really heard about it was when they were saying they were having um, a screening and it was kind of really dark. But that's I feel like that would be more towards the screening house. Like yeah, the theater, that would so, be I mean, that that ultimately comes down to the fact that it the codec for um, uh, going on to screenings is DCI-P3. Mm. And well, it wasn't just that. I think at the premieres, like, they rented out a place that's more, like, music-focused. So uh, the theater's, like, more music-oriented. But they do have projector to set up screenings. But the projector's not one of those, like, professional movie projectors. Uh, so I think that contributed to, like, that That, that is color. definitely a big issue. Yeah. Um, and I mean that—that's ultimately what it comes down to—is like, is your projector strong enough to actually project a movie? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that might have not been the case. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't at the screening. I don't think I've ever been to a single screening for anything. I've I ever know shot. even your own uh, production—the one, with the zombie one. I, I remember know. you were like, "I'm shooting something else. I can't be there." Yeah, oh, yeah, we, I was there for that one. Yeah, that, that's always there? constantly the case. Oh, man, um, we, they thought I was a suit, which is super funny. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm fat and bald, but uh, no. <laughs> Yeah, that's always constantly the case. I've never been to a single premiere that I've ever shot or directed. Um, I, I don't know. I'm always shooting things to the point where I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I can't be there. They're like, what the fuck? Like, we, we set this thing up and, like, you were highly instrumental. I'm like, sorry. I guess I'm, it's not that important to me. <laughs> you just like the you just like the work of it. You just like working. Yeah, right? I mean, I, I enthrall the process of actually shooting something, even though like half the time I feel like I'm ripping my hair out. But you, know, you still have more hair than me, buddy. So there you go. Hey, I'm I'm falling right behind you, buddy. <laughs> it's like you haven't ripped out enough. I, I I haven't ripped out enough yet, but I'll get there. So uh, about six. What did you What did you uh, come away with that movie like did you what did you learn from that production how did that affect um, your future work I guess? yeah so i mean i i feel like six was one of the gigantic uh stepping stones for me because there, there was that sudden realization where we had a red epic dragon and we had you know decent amount of lighting and whatnot but it just wasn't enough still you know um so that kind of like made me want to up the ante with the level of production equipment that I worked with and, um, you know, being involved more with the process of like actually trying to plan productions a lot more efficiently um, because it, it, it was just a it was just a gigantic hurdle um, trying to shoot that whole entire fucking thing in three days. And, you know, again, it was it was wild as hell, but. I mean, it was a gigantic learning experience from, you know, anybody who tries to shoot a feature in three days with like limited amount of resources. No, I'm sure you rent run into this problem where like sometimes someone hires you onto something or they ask you to help on something and you realize that they have no idea what they're doing and you have to step in and try and help help out the project. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's constantly almost every gig that I work on. Um, but I mean, I've kind of gotten to a point where, um, I, I mean, where I'm not hired as a cinematographer and I'll just be like, you know what? It's not my problem. I'm just going to let it, I'm just going to sit back and let it burn, uh, as long as I'm getting paid. Some, sometimes I would think about it in the way of like, oh yeah, I'll do exactly what you're asking for, but I know it's wrong, <laughs> but I'm hoping this way you learn. <laughs> yeah i mean they like that's, that's been my, um, my approach I, to it the the last few films i've been working on like I've, I've always seen like compositional errors that they're doing and um lighting errors and like exposure errors for the camera um and as well as like things where it just wouldn't cut well um for like vfx or whatever or just in general cutting and i i just kind of sit back and go like all right is this what you want and they're like yeah i'm like cool <laughs> speed <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I, I i feel like a lot of directors are picking up on my like saying of like you sure this is you want what you want and they're like um i don't know anymore and i'm like <laughs> i'm not saying that it's wrong i'm just saying is this really what you want but i guess because of like that level of sarcasm that i exude they, they definitely pick up on the fact that i'm just like wow this is shit <laughs> <laughs> wow man 
Damn. So, yeah, I mean, you've been working with uh, more high-profile people and stuff recently. Like you said, that stuff in Washington was pretty cool. Uh, what else? Uh, I mean, so where are your movies at? The stuff you work at, where can people see them, I guess? Um, I really don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I think this is kind of like the same problem with me and premieres. Um, I've shot so much stuff to the point where I know they're out there. I just don't know where because I really don't bother. Because I'm just kind of like picking project after project, and I'm just like I really don't have time to to sit back and actually appreciate these movies. Because quite frankly, none of these movies are anything I wanted to watch to begin with. <laughs> and I, I feel I feel bad for you know most filmmakers, but I mean like it, it's nothing that I'm like oh well, yeah I mean this is something that speaks to me. I I don't think any movie that I've worked on has like spoken to me, but <laughs> um, there's there's a good deal of them that are out there. I know. Um, uh, Whitetail, um, which was like one of the uh, early ones that I shot, I think like about a year and a half ago, maybe two. Um, that one I think is released already, and I think you could probably watch it on Tubi or Prime or something like that. I don't know. Maybe it might be still be on a package deal because I, the last I spoke to one of my producers, uh, they wanted to sell that along with the Redstone and Boone um, as some kind of like package deal, and they were going to be on the talks actually tomorrow to see uh, what kind of deal they could get out of that for distribution. Because I know they have already international rights for a couple countries, but, you know, I don't, I don't know the whole deal there. Um, then uh, I think the only real movie that I know that is definitely out there is Six. Um, I mean, there's a couple of commercials, music videos, and uh, little shorts that I've shot, but I don't think they're anything worth writing home for. I mean, a couple of the music videos I've done are usually my most favorite stuff because they're just a little bit more out there. But, nice. Um, I mean, you would just have to look up the artist <laughs> for that. Um, but in any case, uh, yeah, I think truly the only movie you can probably watch for certain fact is six. And um, uh, what is that? Like almost three years at this point? Four? Uh, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. It's it's pretty old and at this point. <laughs> I mean, it feels like it was something from the yesterdays. <laughs> So, what would you say is your favorite project you ever worked on? Not not seeing the final project, but like actually like the working on that project. Like, what um, was your best experience? Like, favorite thing you worked on, just working wise. I think the darnest thing in the world. Um, my favorite project that I worked on, and if Joe ever watches this damn thing, um, it, it was a little short called The Torture, which comes out to be uh, a forty-five minute short, which in festival guidelines that's typically. A feature mm -hmm. um, but that um, that in itself was really fun um, it had all these kinds of special effects gags uh, it, there was storyboards to work off of and um, it was stylistically something that spoke to me and um, I felt like in in most of my works the stuff that I typically have that really shines is usually with uh, Joe Monk of Little Spark Films because he, he usually goes for shit that I feel like is things that I would have been shooting anyways. Um, and the torture was just the most easy thing that I've shot, even though I feel like the crew was only like three people. Um, and I basically wore almost all the hats with the exception of like the first <laughs> AC. Gotcha. Hey, well, I know you have like an original you've kept in back burner. Have you had any updates on it? Um, yes, I, I do. And actually, quite frankly, I have a, a shit ton of features that I'm I'm planning to produce myself and direct. Um, but uh, Sam Hain, which I know is the one um, yes, you're, you're overly Hain. concerned. Um, that one is uh, quite frankly still on the back burner. Um, but for the main reason that I want to release two or three other films first before that one, uh, that way I can build up some level of notoriety as some like horror filmmaker, uh, than just releasing Sam Hain just outright because like, I mean, I can kind of imagine myself trying to like struggle releasing it from the first go around and then like, it just kind of flops and I'm like, well, you know, I guess my, um, uh, well, what's the word? Um, I forgot what the word is, but I guess my, my baby did shit and it's just from the sheer fact that I was like a nobody, you know, let's see what else I can do. And like, I feel like my other projects typically aren't going to be as grand, even, even though I feel like some people are going to think my other projects are probably going to be better than Sam Hain. <laughs> um, but, um, nonetheless, I feel like I have to build up on other projects first, um, which I think the first one I'm going to do is this little, um, 
movie called uh, The Grimlers, where it's about this dude who goes out to the woods for vacation. And um, there he kind of lands these like little gremlin critter things. And it's going to be basically in the style of like Sam Raimi's Evil Dead 2 and Army Ooh, of Darkness. Nice. With like the amount of slapstick. And it just has these little critter things that um, are just, you know, attacking this dude who happens to be like an Ash Williams kind of character. <laughs> <laughs> so any, any, so uh, are you done with the script on that one or still working on the script? Uh, the Grimlers? Yes. Uh, the Grimlers is in pre-production. So Already? That one, nice. Yeah, that one, that one is um, currently in the works. Uh, the script is done. Um, Sam Hain has like about four different versions, um, <laughs> but I'm still working on the um, or at least four different finalized versions. Um, I'm currently working on the latest version that I'm trying to prep for, like as the finalized screen version, um, so I can, you know, finally say it's no longer on the back burner, but literally <laughs> now posted as like a uh, actual production that I want to aim for. Which, quite frankly, um, if I aim for Sam Hain, Sam Hain has a very specific timeline that I like to shoot it in, uh, which is like late January to like early April, where it has where texas generally has like this overcasted look gotcha uh, that looks like fall because like if we try to shoot during real fall it's just cold but the trees still have all the <laughs> all the all the leaves which is not exactly the look that sam Haney is supposed to have like it's supposed to look like it's halloween but thanks to global warming we can't have that during halloween time so do you still really want to shoot it in texas or would you consider shooting it somewhere else no i, I really want to shoot sam Haney in texas gotcha. like um that 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 in itself i think Texas, quite frankly, at this point, just from the sheer fact of context that I have, uh, will be the cheapest state to shoot it in, and um, also the easiest because, like, I at this point, I feel like I have so many goddamn contexts to be like, okay, I just want to shoot at this location, and they'll be like, okay, yeah, it's done. You can build <laughs> out like an entire cemetery, or we can like, um, you know, cut out all these trees and whatnot, and build these buildings and whatnot. Um, or shut down entire town blocks and, you know, build this little festival thing for you. Um, which I don't think if I were to leave Texas, that would be the same case. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, I did for one of my uh, classes, I did a news story on one of your productions that you helped out on, Ramsey's production. Mm -hmm. And you were like, yeah, they let me use the park, cemetery, and all that. I was like, that's cool. you got a whole city just to let you use that stuff. That's, yeah. I mean, small town, but still, man, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of like the thing is like... I the fact that I have the ability to call people and just like at a moment's notice shoot at a specific location is I think a very powerful tool that any filmmaker can have. Um, and I mean know. like the biggest, the worst thing to say is say no. So, I mean, if you want something, ask for it, just ask oh, for, for sure. It. Yeah. And that that's, that's always going to be the case with anything. If, if you really want something, you're just going to have to absolutely go for it. And if you don't, well, then you never really find out. You yeah, know? exactly. Um, but, I mean, I, quite frankly, usually don't even bother. So, it's like, eh. <laughs> I just let things come to me and they kind of be a big nice. But, you know, um, I, I, I'd like to interest myself in more of my um, my works, even though, like, half the time I feel like I'm not really focusing on them anyways. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to build a portfolio to get to the good stuff anyways. Oh, yeah. for sure. Um, though I think I probably surpassed that moment for quite a while now. <laughs> well, I mean, then, you know, then get started on your own shit, man. Stop working on other people's stuff. Yeah. We want to see Jorg's movies. We want to see, like, Jorg, other German words, movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would definitely, not not because I'm stroking my own ego, but, you know, the movies I want to make are the kind of movies that I've been wanting to see other horror filmmakers make, where it's, like, hearkening back to, like, the stupid slapstick um, 1980s cheesy horror films. <laughs> and I think there's, like, a few amount of uh, horror filmmakers that are kind of paving the way for that. Um, one of the most notable ones, which is, like, my favorite, is uh, Adam Green. But, I mean, I feel like he's kind of gotten silent for a moment. Um, I don't know why, but, you know, it, and then Troma too, but even then Troma is kind of in the weird sidelines too. Um, I mean, I still have to see or still see Shakespeare shitstorm and see how that turned out. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it's, it's just the fact that I feel like so many of these newer horror films that are kind of coming out, they're not really catering to, I guess, that style of film that had that charm and that watchability it's more these films that are like very touchy and emotional now not that there's anything wrong with that but it's like every other film does that yeah. where you try to like have some like unrelatable character be like the 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 whole entire trait is the fact that they're 
dealing with shit. And I'm like, okay, well, like the old we're school all dealing film, with shit, man. We're, yeah. we're all dealing with shit. We want an escape, you know. Mm-hmm. We want we want this whole stupid movie where, you know, we can laugh at this dude going through like shit instead of like crying about. Uh, these people who are dealing the fact that their mom died or their dog died and life sucks and the, you know um, there's there's no point and then they go like okay well there is a point and then the point is family or something and you're like what the yeah. fuck see one of my one of my favorite directors like the reason the person I got into film John Johnson made those kind of movies you might have heard of them called the skeleton key movies mm-hmm. oh my god they're they're like the best kind of they're like I love how bad they are because they're self-aware that they're bad yeah yeah and like so what he's doing now uh he uh in a couple years ago he put out uh, a remake of plan nine and now next he's remaking manos the hands of fate bro that that's got to be another level of of like insanity i want to i can't wait to see that because manos is like considered one of the worst movies of all time and i i cannot wait to see his take on that movie (laughs) and see that that's that's kind of like a funny way to put it is that i appreciate filmmakers that are doing like things like that because like um, again, not very many filmmakers are making stuff where you would legitimately just enjoy by how shitty they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I feel like a lot of people work on trying to make things look as beautiful as possible and they end up turning out really shitty because of that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, if you go in it with that intent, like, that obviously gives you, like, more of a... Obviously, the audience is in on it, which makes it so much better and so much more watchable. Oh, for yeah. sure, one hundred percent. Like for a while, uh, I was like really liking some of those exploitation movies that like Robert Rodriguez was cranking out. Yeah, because <laughs> they did like Planet Terror and then like all the Machete movies. Then you had like Death Proof, but there was um. Oh man, I, was, I just kind of I thought about it and I forgot. <laughs> but oh, Black Dynamite. Oh my no, god. Have you seen Black Dynamite? I have not. Yeah, you oh. need to see it. <laughs> it's like a seventies black exploitation film. But it's like hilarious and it's all like jokes of you're into film, you see all these things like the mics coming into the shot or like actors being switched out. <laughs> wow. I need to see that now. Um, and you know that, that that's the kind of filmmaking that I really appreciate where they, they, they don't really take anything seriously and just kind of go home with it. Um, like um, when you you mentioned black exploitation, I immediately registered Blackula. I'm like, <laughs> I, I'd love to see somebody making movies like that, but I feel like the people who are making movies like that just don't have the financial wherewithal to do it, and uh, or uh, they just don't know how to make movies in general, and they just make really bad bad movies. I'm actually kind of excited to see like the next Doctor Strange because it's going to be directed by Sam Raimi. Really? So yeah. Sam Raimi doing the superhero movie, but it's also a superhero that's supernatural. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I, I, I appreciate Sam Raimi for all his shit, too. I liked um, his Star series because he did Ash vs. Evil Dead, like the TV series. Yeah. And those were pretty fun, even though, like, I think it it died because of people torrenting the fuck out of it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And it, Ash, um, Bruce Campbell was, like, pretty adamant about that, going, like, you guys did this to us. And, and I mean, it was... Um, I mean, I'm not going to buy a subscription to one show. I didn't torrent it, actually, surprisingly enough, because I torrent a lot of stuff. As you know, I, I just found friends who had Star subscriptions. We just watched it together. I'm like, I'm like I don't want to pay for it, but, like, I don't want to pirate it because, like, it's a really good show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't yeah. know. Um, I thought the show was really great. I bought the seasons. Um, I, I, do, the I, I, do have, I do have the seasons on, on Blu-ray and DVD. I will say that. I bought them, like, obviously, like, because they come out on DVD after they already came out. I wanted to watch them as they were coming out, which yeah. is why I was, you know, I think using friends' accounts. They said that the the ending for the TV series was the ending he wanted for like the third Evil Dead, the Army of Darkness. That he was gonna end it like that, where he's like in the future, post-apocalyptic <laughs> future. So basically, you got that ending, but for the series. Yeah, and I mean, um, I I think I think that that's a big owed to to the stuff that he wanted to do anyways um i the, the i mean the biggest problem i think that he had is just the fact that um the viewership for it for whatever reason was just wasn't there and i feel like it was more of like a timing issue because um i mean eh, maybe it's that it's on stars but i don't, I don't know like big shows from stars i i don't uh, either um but I mean, I, I I will be the first to say that most horror fans typically don't watch shows. Uh, most horror fans typically would watch movies, and I'm I will also be one of the guys to tell you I don't watch shows either. Like, 
that's that's another thing that I feel like um, we kind of trolled off onto the wo- uh, the woodworks is that everything feels like it's just kind of catered to just be prolonged instead of just a simple narrative of like beginning, middle, and end. They're just like here's the beginning, and then we'll release like ten other movies to prolong the story. Wow. And <laughs> the the whole premise of the whole thing is just the fact that there's going to be more movies. Like, um, I, I think a notable example of that was uh, uh, The Mummy, but with Tom Cruise. Oh, where, God. like, the whole sellability of it was the fact that they were going to be... Um, a universe. A universe, yeah. but for uh, Universal Monsters. And they completely flopped because that's that was literally the only point that they were going to That was, like, the to. second attempt at doing it because the first one was Dracula Untold. Oh, oh I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> You know what's funny, kind of coming back, like John Johnson's also trying to do something similar to that thing as well. He's been he had a script for a long time about that exactly that. You know, doing a big monster verse. I don't know if he's still gonna do it or not, but he was gonna do that too, which is <laughs> crazy. But uh, I mean, but you know, doing that the whole sequel thing, like yeah, sure that's bad, but then you don't get gems like uh, was it Jason Takes New York, like that awful movie. Like that's I, like that movie's garbage, but it's so good to watch because it's so bad. That that's true, yeah. but like. One thing you have to note is Jason literally dies in every movie. Yeah. <laughs> so it, so it, continuity it, doesn't fucking matter for that series at all. Continuity doesn't matter. <laughs> they, they weren't going like, oh, we're promised that we'll release more oh, movies. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally, uh, Jason gets killed in this movie. This is it. And then like they're like, you know what? Jason in space. <laughs> Jason goes to space and he didn't really fucking die. <laughs> like, what? But, I mean, and you, you can see that even across the board with the other slashers, too, is, like, you, like, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, yeah. um, to an extent, Leatherface, um, they all get killed off practically in every movie, yeah. but they just keep coming back because <laughs> the fans keep demanding them, and, I mean, like, specifically Halloween 3 season. I feel season like they always which... end where it's, like, he's dead, wink. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 I mean, it's, it's not a, it's not a, such an obvious wink, because, like... Oh, it's super obvious that Freddy vs. Jason, like, oh, I mean, oh, yeah, the, like the actual <laughs> wink... <laughs> But, you know, the, I think the funnier thing is that Freddy vs. Jason 2 never happened. Oh, yeah, you never know, happened. It's one of those moments where you did want a, a sequel. Because I feel like Freddy vs. Jason really captured the zeitgeist of um, uh, the experience of like the, the slasher genre. And I feel like no movie will ever compare to the level of like just sheer, utter fuckiness yeah. that <laughs> Freddy vs. Jason was. They tried doing it in Japan. You saw like the... The Grudge versus The Ring. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but I know that's a thing. Such a weird movie. Like, so, so, so something, Sakaido or something? I don't remember uh, his name. It's their names, like the ghost girls' yeah. names versus, it's like, Sayako versus Kayako or something like something that. Something like that. Um, Honda Civic versus... Uh, <laughs> Toyota Corolla. <laughs> Toyota Corolla. <laughs> uh, uh, I was just referencing uh, what was the scary movie for whenever um, uh, that Cindy character goes uh, something in the lines of like, uh, Toyota Mitsubishi Sushi Hot Pibachi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God. And they put the subtitles and it's like something off the wall. Oh my God, that's hilarious. I kind of miss having those like... Uh, parody movies like they stopped doing those like yeah, but they really, really well done parody well, movies yeah. it started being like the team of these two guys that kind of worked under the people who used to do them and they kind of completely lost quality yeah um i'm i mean i'm definitely gonna say i was i was actually a fan of those horrible movies but <laughs> um i feel like everything after scary movie 4 just started like going off the rails where it just it just didn't have the same pizzazz anymore. And even if they were like to release like those movies now, it was, a, it was a team that was doing all those movies, but they were like different from the people who originally started. Because I mean, like Meet the Spartans was one of the really bad ones. Yeah, oh, it yeah. was. Yeah. It was like epic movie, but those are the same guys who kept doing, doing these really bad movies. Hmm. Nah. Well, that makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I I'd personally like to see like another newer scary movie, but I mean, there's I very something like scary movie or like in the vein of they Police could, Squad. I mean, they could reboot it with like you know all the new horror movies that came out in the last decade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they could, but I mean, like I want to see the... something with more like Police Squad, like the Naked Gun movies. Oh, oh. Like Leslie <laughs> Nielsen stuff. Uh, I, I was gonna say um, the 
the the problem mainly with the whole like the whole decade thing is I don't feel like there's very many notable horror characters in the last decade. And oh, the few that, that are now you can parody small. subjects like yeah parody maybe like subjects. get out you could definitely parody yeah get you, out. you could definitely parody get out like um I think one of my last favorite parody movies was uh, um, Fifty Shades of Black, which I loved more than Fifty Shades of Grey. Like I felt like the theme drove drove it home a lot stronger than Fifty Shades of Grey. Like the, like the whole entire narrative narrative was just a much better narrative like altogether, and. Um, been a while i haven't seen those i haven't Me seen neither, that one. i know who i know the oh what, what's that actor? it's he's one of the waynes yeah he he's one of the wayne brothers oh he wrote that but he also did like a try and do like a scary version of it the haunted house ones yeah I think they're haunted house one too i have not seen the haunted house ones but i mean i'll i'll definitely say whoever's like watching this watch 50 shades of black if you have it <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's really stupid and it's great Oh my god, it sounds like my type of movie. <laughs> There's rumors they're doing uh, white chicks too. Oh my god. Yeah, I've, I've heard, um, and quite frankly, I applaud the notion, unless it's just something utterly stupid where it's about acceptance and something. And I mean, I mean uh, not, not that I have anything against like acceptance of all kinds of walks of people, but my problem is the fact whenever your whole movie premise is built upon that, and the only quality of like whatever your characters are is like this social justice kind of thing. Yeah. It just kind of like throws the whole entire movie to the wayside, and you know. I mean, but the thing it's is, no like, enjoyable. at the same time, you know, times do change, and uh, you know, if white chicks were to come out now, what kind of receptions would it have? It's also like, well, I mean, I, yeah. I I fully understand that, and I mean, that, that's why like movies like Blazing Saddles can't possibly go under the radar now it would just be absolutely massacred i mean i mean the thing is that you know also you gotta think if you're trying to make a movie to make money you know you can't you gotta oh you gotta you gotta go with what the what the public likes which kind of sucks you know because the public sucks yeah yeah exactly (laughs) i feel right now like the loudest voices are the voice of like a minority that's on like just twitter yeah no and that's definitely (laughs) it like um and i don't know how much far out there i'm gonna go now um, but I, I feel like cancer culture is like one of the worst things in the fucking world yeah. um, because like so many opinions are just being shut down and it's just like, you know, wow, like nobody can really say anything and you really have to watch your step on uh, whatever you say or do and like no one can just be like, you know what, let's just take it as a joke or like push it to the wayside or something like that. Like it's like, no, this can't be accepted. But Goodbye. But the like thing about the cancer culture too is like it's just – um, like they ride a wave and then it's just gone. So oh, no, like, they'll is. forget about it. So like, you know, you'll be canceled for a little bit and then most most of the people are just fine again. Not I, not everybody I feel right but, now what's yeah. going on is like they're taking the most extreme examples of what has happened with somebody having these polarizing views and people kind of following it and being against the people opposing it just because they don't like that it's being opposed or being censored. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah, I mean that yeah. makes sense. That makes sense in the in the what's his name the the country guy. I don't remember his name, but you know he was like what he was caught saying the n word on like uh, on Jesus a security Christ. camera yeah. or something, and so like everybody took him off of everything, but his sales, his digital sales and everything skyrocketed because everybody's like, nah, nah, we don't want this guy canceled. Yeah. I'm like, that guy got <laughs> canceled, but I I feel like he got canceled after like a bunch of times this thing happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like the yeah. first time. It wasn't the first time that something like that happened with him. And you yeah. know, there there's always that one coin of like supply and demand where it kind of yeah. goes to that where like you guys mentioned that, you know, oh, something is being canceled. We're the team that doesn't like things being canceled. Yeah. And you know, I mean, you immediately get a bunch of cells. Because of it, yeah. what's, what's funny is like some of the people against the cancel culture, as soon as they see an opportunity to jump on someone who's like on the opposite side, they'll do the same thing to them. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, well you're, I feel like you're that's canceling what happened James Gunn. That was the thing with James Gunn. Yeah, but he's back. He's good. He's fine. Yeah, he's back. But that whenever they went after him, it was basically just, oh, here's one of yours that we could get. <laughs> nah. Whatever. Anyways, so anything else we need to catch up on, guys? Or do you think we're uh, we're about to, this was a long well, podcast. Oh, yeah, my God. Uh, well, you're, what do you is want there plug? anything you want? Yeah. yeah what sorry. do you want to plug? Um, I mean, I really don't have very much to say. <laughs> um, 
I mean, I, I could just talk about all kinds of haphazard projects, or not projects, haphazard no, well, topics like all the time. No, ways people can find you. Oh, yeah, I know what you meant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, I know, I, all I know is, like, your Instagram. It's, yeah, what, so, I it? mean, like, if, if, um, if you want to find me, um, I have my Instagram, which is Sam Haynes Studios. Um, and there you'll just see me with, you know, my crazy German name, Jofrichter Steinslaus. <laughs> Good luck finding that one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you want to hit me up on Facebook, that's a way to. Um, but those are the only components where you can actually find me because I really don't want to bother with, you know, too many things. But if you want to shoot a movie, you know, look up Sam Haynes Studios or even find me on Facebook because I'll probably answer you there. <laughs> Hell, yeah, awesome. And, Adrian, do you have uh, something you want to plug? Y'all pretty much talked about everything. So any question I had, y'all pretty much touched on it already. You got anything you want to plug though? Any any kind of social media or anything for you? Uh, yeah, you can uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram at meterman uh, slash twenty four, and that's about and Facebook and all that. You know, Adrian Flores. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, and of course, you can find us at, uh, what is Upization on Facebook and Instagram as well for the One Up Podcast. Anyways, guys, thank you so much again for listening to this really long and really awesome podcast. I feel like uh, Jorg was probably my favorite guest we've had so far because his stories are boundless and amazing. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show, man. Uh, so again, we are your hosts. My name is Milos Bukaritsa. This is uh, George Martinez, camera guy, uh, Adrian Flores, and Jorg Victor... Something, I don't know. The what? Steins Laus. Steins Laus. Okay. Your greater Steins Laus. I will say it right. I promise I will say it right by the time I die at least once. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. All right. See All you right. next week, Thank guys. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye.